cigars all around Cheers, y'all. Well, 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 well. That sounds like a party about to happen. Welcome, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, Mom. as the world-famous Smoking and Toasting. Uh, we are glad to be here for show number 239. Uh, we are uh, talking about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars, and our special guest in the studio this week, uh, Mr. Joe Breda, our old friend from uh, Old Humble Distilling. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. I Thanks. appreciate it. We, we had a little scheduling snafu last week. We had, we, had, uh, we had planned to have Joe last <clears throat> week, but uh, thanks to some wires getting crossed, uh, we wound up having him this week. So uh, my only uh, bummer about that is, well, not my only bummer, but the main bummer about that is that you had something very special going on at the distillery, and we didn't get a chance to promote it before it happened. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, when a, when a bus full of nuns uh, crashes and you have to start rescuing people out of the fiery wreckage, mm-hmm. I mean, you do what you have to do. Right. And, uh, I heard something mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was... Everybody survived. Everything's good. But, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. well, what happens? Well, we're we're glad to have you here. And, you know, of course, la- our last show aired on World Whiskey Day. That's pretty awesome. So that is pretty cool. So we're going to be a, a week late celebrating. But I, I think I think it may be worth the wait because you brought something very special every today, day is, Every day is World Whiskey Day when you're I with you on when you have a proper distillery. Oh, yeah, I'm very yeah. much with you on that one. <laughs> I love this. So, you brought something special, though, yeah, right? Yeah, what, we what we were releasing, uh, we released it on Saturday. It is our uh, Blackout Boomtown Bourbon. Blackout. 72-hour uh, Blackout special edition label. Mm-hmm. Of our Boomtown Bourbon, uh, it is made exclusively with rainwater captured from the freeze and 72-hour blackout of February 2021. Nice. All right, let's hold up because we're not gonna we're not gonna get started yet on the tasting. So that's uh, fair. So, uh, so hang on because we'll we, we got segments. We'll get to we'll get to that. I think he's, we, he's following the OSHA compliance. Unless you got a lot up. of other whiskey in your bag over no, there. No, this so. is the whiskey. Uh, okay, that's what I thought. So we'll build some anticipation. That's there, fair. Because I'm very very. Uh, excited but yeah, we about released it. it on Saturday. We had a big mm-hmm. party. Three bands. Uh, lights and everything. It was a whole lot of fun, and we still have about six cases, seven, six or seven cases remaining. So, uh, what, what did you have total to begin with? We started with twelve. We so sold you about, about half, half of it. it. Yeah, and we're going to be open on Friday uh, for Memorial Day, Saturday afternoon before Memorial Day, and on Memorial Day itself. And it's nice. available only at the distillery. Only at the distillery. Okay. Exclusively so at the distillery. This will this never see a store. Exciting and good to know. So, all right. So we'll be tasting some of that here today, and I'm very excited about that. <laughs> also excited about. Uh, Some beers we'll be trying out from uh, Eureka Heights Brewing Company right here in our hometown of Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. Great Uh, guys. We'll be trying their 713 Pilsner. Ooh. So this is a brand new one. And I think we'll have to look at the can here in a minute, but I think they put a mosquito on the can, like a cartoon mosquito did, yes. on the can, <laughs> which I think is uh, is pretty uh, pretty accurate. Well, they too. always have something funny and snarky yeah. on the can. Mm-hmm. Uh, from New Belgium Brewing Company in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, we'll be trying their Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze. We've had Juicy a couple Haze. of the other Voodoo Ranger IPAs in the series, but we have not tried this one, so uh, it should be exciting. And then from Duclaw Brewing Company, it's hard to go wrong with Duclaw. Oh, you're going to love this. It's their porter called Regular Jesus. <laughs> oh, so, nice. So this is going to be very exciting. Duclaw out of Baltimore, uh, Maryland. So we're really excited about all of those things. we got a lot to talk about, too. Tell you about some cigars to watch for. Uh, tragedy at Fuente. Uh-oh. A fire 
burned down and destroyed the Fuente Tobacco Warehouse. Oh, that sucks. If you want an Opus X, go get it now at your favorite uh, cigar oh, retailer because no. there's going to be a uh, a shortage of Fuente yeah. Tobacco. I mean, I'm sure they'll source more, but uh, you know, this is Fuentes. They grow a lot of their own uh, oh. tobacco and stuff. So yeah, it's. Uh, uh, that sucks. As I bet if, it smelled amazing, though. As I bet if, it did, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, uh, as if we needed any uh, any reason for uh, the lost world to become uh, even more expensive. But, right, uh, right, right. Uh, but hey, it's uh, it is what it is. So, oh, and uh, in addition to that, we'll uh, we'll talk about um, <clears throat> the best destinations for a beer vacation. Already, I like this beer vacation. Beer vacation. We should be planning this. I don't know that I've ever taken a quote unquote beer vacation. Uh, I don't know that I've ever taken a vacation that wasn't a beer vacation. I don't know that I've ever taken a vacation from beer. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) This is the point. So, uh, so we'll tell you about uh, as far as destinations for a beer vacation. We'll tell you about that. And as if all of that wasn't enough, we will bring you. Wait, there's more. Oh yes, that's right. I haven't even gotten to our most popular segment yet. We will be bringing you another episode of Drinking News today. And, of course, our Drinking News teaser headline. It's all about Updog. Um, what's that? What's up, dog? <laughs> Nothing, man. What's up with you? I feel like you got me. On I, feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like I asked you to say that so I could get you. But <laughs> what you eating under there? <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a dog's life, and we'll prove it. Coming up on today's uh, drinking news, so a lot of fun stuff in the uh, in the works for today's program, and we want to thank everybody for being here and uh, being a part of it. I, I we got an inquiry this week. We we could soon be on the air in Abilene, Texas. This, the reason I'm talking about it is because they still haven't told us where our affiliates <laughs> right? are. Uh, but I got an inquiry from a guy in Abilene uh, who has a news talk station there who was interested. So I pointed him back to the appropriate places uh, to, so they could you know, set everything up. But this is how I know we may soon be on in Abilene. So That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah. There's a cool little liquor store in Abilene called Philo Liquors. Philo Liquors, mm-hmm. huh? Well, they carry uh, any of the old Dumble uh, that, distilled what, spirits. That's what makes them cool. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, I love it. Good. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep that in mind for when we do our first uh, market visit. So yeah, that'll be that'll be very exciting. Um, gosh, there's so much going on, Ian. How about you? Would you have a good week? Did you smoke anything interesting? I did actually. I sat on my patio today, mm-hmm. all nice and relaxed. Uh, I dug in my humidor, which is not desolate anymore. I've been slowly building it back up, but I found myself a, 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 an old standby, actually, that I, I don't think I've ever reviewed. It was an Oliva Siri O. Oh, a Siri O. Siri O. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't pick those up because I love the Maduros, the Siri V Maduros and mm-hmm. the Milanio Maduros so much that I just don't pick up the O as often. But I got it in a mixed bag of cigars that I ordered at one point in time. This is the 6x52 uh, Torpedo, the Sirio. And this is right off the website here. Sirio is a sun-grown Piro made in the original Cuban tradition of growing the original Cuban seed in diverse regions of the country to produce a distinct blend. This blend was achieved by growing the original Cuban seed in Esteli, uh, Candega, and Jalapa Valley. The wrapper is Ecuador. The binder is Nicaragua. And the filler is Nicaragua. Um, on to my words, uh, the appearance on this rustic and ruddy brown wrapper, uh, firm overall feel, single band, uh, the prelate sniff, barnyard and fermented hay, sweet chocolate and some tea leaf on the nose. Uh, prelate draw, I used a clip, uh, had a light draw to it, sweet tea and earth with a kiss of leather. Um, the initial light, sweet and peppery, rich earth, hints uh, of toast, white pepper. The retrohale is pepper and sweet tea. 
the uh, first third of this cigar, white pepper and cream gravy, uh, toasty and earthy, hints of leather and nuts all combined on the palate to create a complex bouquet of flavors that are simple to enjoy. Mm. Uh, ghostly hints of mint and sweet tea weave throughout. Retro hail is peppery and woody with a touch of sweetness. Solid ash, good burn. The second third of this, picking up subtle notes of wood and peanut shell added to the complexity. Peanut shell, specifically, by the way. I know what that. I know what that tastes that, like. That's like its own thing, right? I know what that tastes like. It's not exactly peanuts. Peanut I shell. love to get the peanuts like that you shell. Yeah, right? you roast them and, and then you get them out of the shell. And sometimes you wind up accidentally getting a little piece of just, that just shell, a little bit of it, right. attached to the peanut itself. So I know what you're talking uh, about. So picking up subtle notes of wood and peanut shell adds to the complexity, along with a lingering bit of cayenne on the tongue. Um, Retro hail is woody with. Uh, pepper and sweet nuttiness, solid ash, uneven burn. Mm. The uh, last third of the cigar, pepper ramps up somewhat along with earth and wood. A touch of campfire appears from time to time. Sweet tea, cream, gravy, peanut shell, and toast are all constant. Burn corrected itself. Retro hail is nutty and woody with pepper and toast, solid ash, perfect burn for the mm, last third. For the third last third. Okay, itself. so it corrected itself. It's a $9 cigar. So price to quality, man, I'm going to rate this at a five and a half. Okay, it's great. It's yeah. it's it's as complex as anything that you'll have out there. I just overlook it because it's so right ubiquitous. You and know? I'm totally I'm totally with you on that. I usually when I think of Oliva, I'm thinking of Always a Serie B. Yeah, yeah so good because they're just so amazing. But they so. have so many other good things, and I, you know, so for, for <laughs> me, it's like Serie right. V and the Master Blend and. Things like that. I don't always get to all the O and the, the G. The Master Blend. See, that's a, that's a great line of cigars. I don't smoke yeah. those nearly enough either. So yeah. you're 100% right. 100%. Um, by the way, thinking of, of uh, the aroma or the flavor of peanut shells, mind you, going, what is that steakhouse? It's like a chain that they have peanut shells like, on the floor. Texas Roadhouse. Texas yeah, Roadhouse. Throw the yes. peanut shells on the yeah. floor. Uh, but it has a certain distinct, like when you walk in, you know you're there mm-hmm. because it has a yeah, certain yeah. Uh, yeah. a certain note to it. So I totally totally get what you're talking about. Well, uh, I we both had torpedoes uh, th- uh, to this week. Okay. Uh, you had a torpedo, and I had a torpedo from Nica Libre. Oh. Uh, there is a rumor that Nica Libre, Nica Libre a less expensive line of cigars, was created to go up against the Padron 1964. Now, if you think about it, that's a pretty big challenge that's for a yeah. modestly priced cigar. After all, uh, the 1964 in a Torpedo or Bellicoso size, which is a damn fine cigar, by oh, the yeah. way, uh, will set you back about 16 to $17. Yeah. While the Nicolibre Torpedo that I smoked this week can be had for 5 or $6 it's pretty, a Nicolibres are great. So if the story is true... <laughs> And you were going to release a cigar at less than half of Padron's cost uh, that could come anywhere close to competing with it. Uh, you would want to uh, tap a true cigar master to blend it for you, right? Someone who's known for doing wonders with Nicaraguan tobacco. Uh, somebody who has produced cigars in almost every price range that stand out as being exceptional with distinct and bold flavors. Anybody come to mind, Ian? I'm, I'm Anyone thinking, at all? I, I don't know. I can't think of anybody. <coughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Nico Libre did the fanboy in me a solid by having their baseline blended by none other than the living legend, A.J. Fernandez. Yeah. How about that? Uh, Nico Libre has uh, since teamed up, by the way, with Agonorsa Leaf, 
and with Oliva to produce uh, different cigars in their line. And I'm mm -hmm. anxious to try those. I haven't had either one of them. Uh, but those guys know what they're doing as well. Uh, but today I'm focused on the core line, which were the first Nica Libres to come out, and they were blended by AJ. Uh, this Torpedo was a beautiful, slightly oily, dark brown color, box pressed just like the Padron uh, 1964. And in fact, I'll wager that if you put them side by side, they'd be tough to tell apart without the band. That's, right. that's how much it actually looks like it. Mexican uh, San Andres Maduro wrapper and all Nicaraguan tobacco for binder and fillers. Now, I used my cigar scissors to clip off the tip, and I took in the pre-light aromas, a deep mature tobacco barn note, and a uh, hint of pepper. Once I lit that baby up, I was greeted by the return of our old friend, the Nicaraguan Pepper Blast. Oh, there needs to be a song for Or that. the NPB, as we like to call it, <laughs> since we don't have a, a, a song. Uh, the initial punch of pepper receded fairly quickly, and the Nica Libre got down to business. Now, dark earth, leather, and coffee made their presence known when the pepper pulled back a little bit. It was still there, but not as dominant at first. There was a note of chocolate as well, uh, but I'll get to that more specifically in a second. Ash was a little flaky, um, fell apart at about the three-quarter inch mark, but the burn was decent and uh, smoked like a champ. Okay, I mentioned chocolate, right? <laughs> what started out as an underlying note in the first third blossomed into a rose of cocoa in the second. By the midway point, I could legitimately describe the Nicoligre as a chocolate bomb. Yes. It reminded me more of AJ's own Bella Artez line than the Bredone 64, but it'd be hard to complain about that. Final third, more chocolate earth and the finish of pepper that was uh, most noticeable on the retrohale. Bit of citrus zest. Uh, very, very impressive uh, at this price point. Cigars like the Nicolibre uh, make the price to quality scale difficult to manage because they have a tendency to work against super premium sticks mm -hmm. at super premium prices. Those cigars may be incredibly good, but after smoking the Nicolibre, it's more difficult to justify the $17 Padron. In the end... Pretty hard to criticize a nicely complex, really awesome cigar that I could actually afford three of for the price of the Padron. Uh, the Nicolibre, bottom line, great cigar, great price, price to quality, 6.5. Nice. And I probably would have given it a 7, but I'm a little self-conscious about coming off like an AJ fanboy. So, uh, <laughs> all right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Smoking and Toasting, Mystery Beer, coming up next. Stand by. Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And uh, one of the things we like to do on the show, and I think we're going to be doing uh, more and more of this, uh, is to do occasionally a mystery beer. This is where we will uh, taste a beer, and at least, uh, in this case, I brought it so I know what it is. But to Ian and to Joe, it'll be a mystery. And, uh, and you guys can tell me what you think before you know what the beer what is, is and who it comes from and all of that. And then, uh, Ian, you also mentioned that you have some mystery beers that you could bring to the show and would like to bring. Boy, do I. Can I trust you? <laughs> that would be that would be the number one question. I actually have already uh, poured this mystery beer, so I'm going to pass uh, those around. Um, this is, I, I think, I don't know. I, I'm hoping this will be interesting. I have not tasted it before. I know I think, what it is. I think you can trust me on beer. It. I've yeah. been known to bring some god awful spirits. You have. Although, uh, what was what was that mead stuff you brought that time? Oh, that, that was. <laughs> is, is that qualify as a spirit, or is that, that a was, wine, or that what was is that? So bad. Oh boy, it was. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you have brought some terrible spirits. That's the first time I brought something on the show that you literally wouldn't taste. Uh, You're like, uh, nope. The smell was the smell was all I needed. It was pretty. Awful. It was all I needed. Uh, speaking of smell, what do you get on the nose of this baby? A little hoppy. Yeah, a little hoppy. I will tell you it's an IPA. Yep. Mm. Uh, 
and it's, it's it, uh, it, like a dark straw color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or it, like someone needs to be hydrated. Looks like an IPA in the uh, um, a very dehydrated <laughs> person. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hmm. Very hoppy. It's yeah, very tasty. hoppy. It's a little thin on flavor. Mm-hmm. But it has hops. Yep. It definitely has hops. It's it's like hop water. That's it's, interesting that you use yeah. that as the description. It's like, there's literally a, like there's hop a lot, water. There's a yeah. lot of hops and not a whole lot of Is there alcohol know, in this? You know, there is a a line of something called hop water. Yeah, I think so. Didn't we try one of those? One, one I'm one trying one? to remember if we did this or not. This literally tastes like hop water. It's got mm-hmm. alcohol. Um, Does it have alcohol? Yeah, I can taste Guess hints. what? It doesn't. It's the Carbot Free and Easy Non-Alcoholic no alcohol? IPA. Uh, just because you're taking it easy uh, doesn't mean you shouldn't have a good time, they say on the, <laughs> it's, on so the can. All the it's flavor non alcoholic none of the payoff. Uh, non-alcoholic malt beverage mm-hmm. with natural flavors contains less than 0.5% alcohol by volume. Ah. So... So Hop water. You you kind of nailed tonic. it. You kind of nailed it though. You said, "Does this have alcohol?" Like before, tonic and hops. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of the reasons. With some, I, with some I, I wanted to, I, I wanted that? to do it as a mystery beer because I, I wanted to see if you would miss, you know, the alcohol mm-hmm. with natural flavors. We don't know what those flavors are. Yeah. Yeah, I don't That's really. what they said about high C fruit punch, remember? <laughs> Natural flavors. The, the thing that used to kill me about high C fruit punch, and we drank this when I was a kid at my oh, house. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they would proudly, proudly display on the can, contains 10% real fruit juice. <laughs> 10% real fruit Are juice. Are you kidding me? Really? <laughs> yep. I don't know if I'd be broadcasting that. Just just saying. Um, no, I think it's, this is, if you're, let's put it this way. You give me a choice between this or a St. Pauli girl. I'm going this every time, right? I mean, this this has vastly more flavor than the Michelob Ultra, right? Which does have have alcohol, not much, but it does have some. Yeah, I would take this over a Michelob Ultra any day. I wonder what the uh, uh, I wonder what the the calories on this Mm. end up being. I don't know. Seventy calories. Seventy. Well, that's not terrible. Mm. Now here's then again, there's not a lot of fun in the can, if you know what I mean. Right now, here's a question (laughs) that I have: If you're the designated driver and you're drinking this, right? Let's say you could stop and pull over, and the cop can smell the hops or or the not the alcohol, but the you can smell the beer, the beer if you will, smell. On, on your breath. Uh, and you take a, I mean, a breathalyzer, you would pass, right? Because it's it's such a yeah, incredibly it's low. Got, you should pass the breathalyzer. Yeah, it's, so it's got exactly point zero five uh, fun. Right. So I, I think this is the new. Um, this is the new way to say no, officer. I was drinking alcohol, yeah. and just, maybe you just have to have like the open cans all over in well, the car. Well, that, that's the what I was, in your, uh, I was in your thinking about our, our drinking news story a couple of weeks ago about the the guy that had the Michelob Ultra open cans all over his car, and I thought, <laughs> how much of that do you have to drink to get drunk? You'd have to drink even more of this, I suppose. Right? Uh, it's not terrible for a non-alcoholic beer. Uh, for a non-alcoholic beer, I actually I actually really like it. But uh, but I do miss the alcohol. We need to have a, like a non-alcoholic beer taste. I agree. Blind taste. I agree. Test, I we'll talk about that and we'll do it for sure. <laughs> you don't have to. Joe's not in on this at all. We'll be right back at Smoking and Toasting. <laughs> That's better. Yes, it is. 
Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Speaking of cigars, uh, the state of Montana gets a uh, tip of the cap from us today because Montana Governor Greg Gianforte signed Senate Bill 122 into law this last week, which calls for a tax cap on premium cigars at 35 cents, meaning that's the maximum tax that can be charged on any premium cigar. Hmm, so cool. in a in a time where most people are going the other this way, this is making all New Yorkers like yeah, flip oh yeah, oh absolutely like and all plan the, to all move the to Montana. In New York are flipping over <laughs> yeah, their graves right. right now. Well, they were already excited about Montana because that's where Yellowstone's set, and it looks right. absolutely beautiful when you watch the show. I mean, those beautiful big sky vistas and all that, mm. and you kind of think, yeah, maybe I could live there. Maybe I could you see all do this that. space way out here in the middle of nowhere yeah. where you can just. Do anything you want. Yeah, yeah. Don't smoke a cigar. Smoke a cigar. So yeah. How many <laughs> how many cigars would you have to buy in Montana to save the money for a plane ticket from New York to Montana? Uh, you mean just a, a plane ticket to go out there and have a cigar? Yeah, just to go. Oh, yeah. oh to, probably to about a box of cigars or two. Yeah, yeah probably <laughs> so. New York's taxes. <laughs> probably so. Uh, it's a combination of a year's work of collaborative uh, effort between the Premium Cigar Association, the PTA, the Montana. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, PCA, uh, the Montana Cigar Association, and its member tobacconists. So it's good to know that sometimes. The laws actually sometimes, go the yeah, right it makes way. Sense. Yeah, sometimes it it makes some sense. That's good so. to know. I'm like, what's isn't there a law in New York where a cigar can't cost less than a specific? Yeah, amount? I, be, I believe that is true. Like you yeah. literally can't buy a cigar for less than that because right. that's the absolute minimum that you can pay yeah. for a cigar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and of course we know the, we know the laws in California. We talk about this all the time yes, yes. that you can smoke anywhere you want to, yes, as long as it's not. Inside or outside. Exactly. So that works out works out really well. So, uh, or not. Um, so Joe Breda uh, from Old Humble Distilling has been on our program on a number of occasions. We've always enjoyed uh, what, you've, what you've brought in. Before we get into your, uh, do you call this Boomtown Dark? Is that what you call it? This is our 72-hour blackout, blackout Boomtown bourbon. Okay. So before we get into Boomtown again, since we do have new listeners because of the syndication, Give us the sort of thumbnail sketch of how you got started doing distilling in the first place and where Old Umble got started. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, Joe Brita, owner-operator of the Old Umble Distilling Company, <clears throat> back when I was in college, uh, I was you know underage, and it was illegal to buy beer. So mm-hmm. I made beer. It was legal to buy water, hops, yeast, uh, and wheat. And it just wasn't make beer legal to buy, but actual I couldn't buy fermented the beer. finished yeah. product. So uh, that's where that's where all this starts, right? I'm in the <laughs> dorms at the University of Houston. We're brewing beer, me and a couple of buddies. Um, and then fast forward to graduation. Mm-hmm. I can't drink all the beer that I'm making because I have a job and I have to wake up in the morning. <laughs> so we start making wine. Uh, and, you know, that's, it, that's a perfect solution. Yeah, this, is, this is a great exactly. story, isn't it? So we start making. You know, me and my lovely wife are making wine a couple times a year, and so we start going to wine tastings to do research to find out what the next batch of wine is That's what I be. call it, too. Yes. Um, <laughs> Strangely. Yeah. Market research is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, <laughs> but then uh, I get invited to a whiskey tasting. And this is, you know, we've progressed now. I'm, I'm moving into my MBA years and go to a whiskey tasting, which is an animal that I didn't really think existed. And I discover that whiskey can taste like something other than Kentucky whiskey. Mm-hmm. We have uh, whiskey from Colorado, Texas, a couple of them from Kentucky and one from New York. And they were four uh, different brands, five different flavors, because uh, there were two from Kentucky and they were same brand. Uh, but I fell in love with it. I was like, we can do this in Texas and have delicious tasting whiskey that doesn't taste like every other whiskey that ever is made. 
I'm I'm in. I want to do this. And that is a true thing. Texas whiskey is a different thing. It, it does absolutely. have its own. It has its own, it has its own distinctive mm-hmm. yes. characteristics. And not absolutely. only does it have its own distinctive characteristic, we have more uh, aging regions in Texas than they have in Scotland. You know, we have our Gulf Coast, High Plains, Central Hills, uh, Northern Plains, and Western Texas. We have you know, five. I, that's. I mean, just think about everywhere that Clint Eastwood has shot a movie. That's <laughs> that's pretty much it. That's our that's our aging region. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, let me just mention that I have a theory about why Texas whiskey is as good on average or on the whole as it is, and I think it's the water. I think the water in Texas, particularly. The Texas Hill Country mm-hmm. area and the aquifers that feed all that. I think that is where it starts. I think it's part of the uh, the sort of origin of why Texas whiskey is so good. If you're if I grew up in Texas and then when I became an adult, I moved all over the country. And I have to say, I never liked the water, just the taste, the flavor of the water anywhere else as much as i liked it in texas oh, and if, you just, be, if you want to be picky too austin area yeah the water there is right out of the tap it's just delicious. it's just fantastic yeah. yeah our water here in houston is good you and, know and you're not wrong uh the, the to start in the process the water's uh almost 100 percent of it before you know we boil the grains and then distill the grains and at the end of the process it's still 55 60 percent water and you took this to another level because you're collecting your own we water collected from, right from right. the dear lord himself yep. yeah now i'll just mention by the way when i lived in philadelphia uh, when you go to a restaurant and uh, uh, they say, would you like water, sir? Yes, sir. Yeah. Would you like uh, sparkling, flat, or tap? You never answer tap. You know? <laughs> Either sparkling or flat is fine, but you never answer tap. Ever. Comes out with sticks yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, much love to Philly, but your water's not good. Something's I lived there. Swimming yeah. around. I lived there. I, I drove by the Schuylkill River every day. I looked at it. I know. Water's not good. Tadpole? Yeah, exactly. And, and it was the collection of rainwater at our new facility that has made uh, completely transformed our entire process of making the whiskey, that's and awesome. that's where this whiskey was born. Okay, so so bef- before you tell us about this, do you use rainwater in any of your other whiskeys? All or of our just, whiskeys. So every one, every drop of water we use in our distillery is from rainwater. That is really captured rainwater. Really remarkable. It's not. What about it, it never hits the ground? Huh? And even in your new fancy even toilet? Even in the new fancy toilet. It's amazing. Which we just that finished installing all, last yeah. week. Okay. So, <laughs> so this particular uh, whiskey, the uh, uh, Boomtown Blackout or the Blackout Boomtown. Uh-huh. Which way do you say it? 72-hour Blackout. Boomtown Blackout. 72-hour Boomtown Blackout. It is our Boomtown res- Boomtown Bourbon recipe. Which is very good, by Thank the way. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we, we, in which we used water that I collected specifically in February of 2021. Which is when we had the blackout. When we had the blackout. So this is uh, really... Now, when the blackout happened, did the idea hit you then? It was after, you know, we're huddled in my living room under a uh, tent and a blanket fort in front of the <laughs> fireplace, uh, grousing and being cranky, uh, being able to watch TV for you know, three minutes a day. Uh, and then once the roads cleared, I went, drove up to the distillery to check on the pipes and make sure everything was good. And uh, the water was, or the ice was beginning to melt. So we heard the cisterns overflowing into the runoff creek in the back. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, I should do something with that water. And I locked up, got in my car, left, went about five minutes down the road, stopped, turned around, went back to the distiller. I'm like, I should definitely do something with this water. We're, we're not going to have it back. It's going away. So uh, that's how, did when you, the how did you idea, collect it? Uh, we just grabbed two totes and grabbed 500 gallons of it. Wow. That's why we only had about 11, 12. We had 12 cases originally. Uh, and one case went to uh, the Texas Whiskey Fest a month ago. And the other 11 
we're at the distillery and we sold about half of those yesterday. Can that's you awesome. taste a difference in whiskey that's been distilled with rainwater uh, or, or collected water from one time versus another? In other words, is, is, is the flavor characteristic of the water always essentially the same or close to it, it or can you tell differences? It can be different. Okay. Uh, if you're if you're specifically collecting that water from that day, it can be very different from that water from like the summertime to the wintertime. It can right. be very different because of the uh, atmospheric uh, saturated and, yeah, right. uh, carbon in the air. Because mm -hmm. what happens when it rains down, it will collect up that carbon dioxide in the water itself. So you have a, a little bit of mineral content in the rainwater. It's not mm -hmm. mineral content like what you get out of calcium carbonate in the ground, mm -hmm. but it's definite mineral content you get out of the air. Science, man. It does I not. Know. It does not taste like tap water because there's no fluorine or chlorine or uh, uh, saturated metals or anything like that from the pipe. So we don't ever have to extract that out. So because it's never in there to begin with. If they had talked about stuff like this in science <laughs> class when I was in school, right? I'd have paid so much more attention. You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if they <laughs> would connect science to distilling stuff. and beer and all the yeah, other fun it's stuff, fascinating yeah. stuff. I'm in. <laughs> Uh, what is your uh, take on? Uh, obviously, you've tasted this. You've got half a uh, uh, about half of it already gone. What is your <laughs> What is your uh, take on it versus your regular Boomtown uh, bourbon? So we kept it in the barrel a little bit longer than our typical bur uh, Boomtown, uh, but in, it has a a a much creamier, nuttier flavor to it Ooh. than our other our our previous three batches that we pulled out uh, of barrels this year so far. Uh, and it was specifically to give it that extra time in the barrel, give it that extra creamy, extra nutty flavor. All right. Now, now you're wetting my uh, appetite. <laughs> yeah, so let's, yeah. uh, ready? let's do a little market research here, shall we? There it is. Uh, yeah, I like that. See, Joe's been on before. He knows he knows what to do. Um, I, I'm really curious because I, I really enjoy the Boomtown, just the regular one, because I, I, I feel like it's just got just, I don't know, it's got such a great balance to it. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited to try this with the special black. And, and we water. shoot for that with most of our whiskeys. We shoot for a balance because uh, an unbalanced whiskey gives you a weird uh, feeling when you drink it. Uh, and you shouldn't have to work to the bottom of a cup ever. Yeah, there's that. I mean, I get I get wood notes right off the top mm -hmm. of this. You get them on, on the first sip, too. Mm -hmm. No, I hadn't sipped it yet. I was, I was taking <laughs> my time. I was, I was talking while you were sipping, I'm, sir. I'm... I'm Usually not accustomed to that. Usually by the time I finish my sentence, he's halfway into his research. So, Oh, that has almost a buttery finish to it. I, I, it get, though? I wow. get butter, I get wood, I get almost like an almond uh, oh. sort of a flavor. Oh, oh, and there's a little, there's a kickback that comes uh, comes comes with the heat after you swallow. There's a little cinnamon that comes mm -hmm. back with it. Mm -hmm. And it kind of drapes across the back of your tongue. It, it's a delightful whiskey. Absolutely love it. And how many bottles total did you make? We made a hundred and... Total 144, okay. and we have left uh, – on Saturday, we had 132 available. Uh, as of right now, we have about half that, six six cases, whatever that is, 72. What are the yeah. what are the laws regarding shipping something like th that out of state? Y'all can do whatever you want. The distillery can't. Okay. <laughs> I can sell two bottles per person per month in my shop. Uh, there's a bill on the floor in the Texas – legislature right now to move that up to four that won't go into effect until september uh if it passes uh but i can't ship the distillery can't ship it so if i'm so going to ship is slowly letting distillers sell to their customers yeah yeah they're, they're coming around what i'm you trying to figure out there'd is, be a no-brainer in there somewhere but you think, you think what i'm trying to figure out is is 
how who benefits by the fact that someone from you know Georgia mm-hmm. can't call you up with a credit card or you know find you on the internet with a credit card and have you ship a bottle of this to to them? Who's who's? It's not who benefits. It, it's who gets cut out of the loop. Mm-hmm. Right, Republic Glacier. Uh, they're, they're, so it's about the distributors, right? It's about the distributors. <laughs> yeah, is what you're yeah. Saying. Those guys get cut out. If I ship it straight, they get cut then out. Then they of loop. get cut out of the loop, and they don't make money. And okay. In fact, so, Total Wine and Specs can't even ship it. You have to buy it, put it in a box, and send it yourself to your friend in Georgia. So why then don't why aren't don't the distributors have the right to to why don't they do it via uh, mail order or via online? In other words, the, to, it seems to me. You know, that you hear about a great whiskey and it's in a state you don't live in mm-hmm. and you have no way outside of having a friend there who will buy it and ship but, it to but you here's the truth. or traveling there yourself to the, be able to try it. It makes no in sense. Different states. Yeah. I get that. They're different yeah. in different states. So there are some and, states that you can buy whiskey and have it sent to you. And we're actually no hooking up with a distributor as we speak uh, that will allow us to do it next month in June. Because no they, have a, they have a facility here in Texas, one in California, one in, I think, Florida or one of the, uh, somewhere over on the East Coast, where I ship them my product, and then you can buy it online, and they will distribute it to. to and where they will go. they get you in retail stores in those areas as well? It can it can move into retail stores if we have that, a market in that area. That I could say I can call up a retail store and say, "Hey." So, with that in mind, are you thinking you may have to step up production? We're, we're working towards it. Wow, we because you, you guys it. started really small, right? We're extremely small. Yeah. You're still actually really yeah. small, right? Not not only physical space. I mean, our physical space is 2,500 square feet, uh, but just the pro- the production that we do, uh, it, we're we're on a scale that we're like we make in a year what uh, other guys spill in a month. Wow! Yeah, wow. To borrow a phrase from Sam Adams. Yeah. <laughs> to, to to come back to uh, this, it's. It's got a lot of minerality once you kind of come back to it after a a little bit. You really taste, and and almost it makes it surprising that it's collected rainwater because you almost think this has got real limestone spring water uh, going on. (laughs) There's a certain dryness to the Mm -hmm. finish, too, that's really interesting. I'm going to. I see you're you're going for a little uh, splash of water. I'm just super curious if anyone else wants to try. Well, with uh, your non alcoholic uh, vodka. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it is it's not does alcoholic it, vodka does it open it up at all uh i actually i oh okay so uh, it, it's cinnamon bubble gum mm, i'm okay. gonna have to try like that. i may have wood. to have a little bit it's more of the really gum. incredibly interesting cinnamon bubble gum cinnamon bubble gum and wood you know uh, whiskey has bubble gum flavors sometimes like yes. that's just a thing that's for sure thing that you get um but yeah i would say cinnamon bubble gum and wood and there's a little vanilla and all kinds of things going on. It's fun. Don't no, I'm glad you much. always like it. Now, what is it about a bottle that <laughs> once, once it starts to kind of go back on the neck? It's that capillary it action. It's that, that capillary action. Ooh. Cinnamon bubblegum. Yeah, cinnamon bubblegum. right on it. In, in a great way. You're right on it. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back to talk a little bit more about this very interesting whiskey Thank coming you. up. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Boy, are they fine. We've been trying out the uh, the Blackout. I always get this wrong. Blackout. 72-hour 72 72 Blackout. 72-hour Blackout Boomtown. Boom Boom 
bourbon uh, from Old Dumble. And it's really interesting. I mean, this is there's a lot to describe about this, and I do want to come back to it. Uh, but before we do that, we want to uh, want to try the first of our, our non-mystery beers today. Uh, although it may not be mystery, but it's certainly very certainly very intriguing and interesting. It's the 713 Pilsner uh, from Eureka Heights Brew Company uh, right here in Houston, Texas. And as uh, Ian can show you, or you can see on the B-roll there if you're watching the uh, uh, the video version, uh, 713 is a Houston area code, which is where the, the Houston area. The, well, there's more than one. Oh. Yeah, yeah. All the Come others on. don't count. I can't get He's a seven one. I can't get a seven one three number. They won't Wait, give don't me you one. live in two eight one? Yeah, but I, I was born in seven one three. Ah, no, I got you. I got you. This almost sounds like 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 a rapper's discussion, right? Like, aren't you aren't you really seven? Yeah, but I was born in the seven one three. Two eight one fell on me. Used to be seven one three before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two eight one came to me. I was, I was born in seven. I was seven one three before seven one three was cool. That's what I was. Uh, so, but you, you don't want to be eight three two. No, but, and that's and unfortunately that's what my number actually is is an eight three two. I feel like a third. Oh, you're class, one of those. People. I'm a third class citizen. Those outlanders. In, in any case, uh, in any case, this is a uh, this is a seven one three pilsner, and it is uh, they call it a loopy pilsner on the can. I'm not sure what that means. They they just always have some fun ridiculous thing, and there's a. Um, a cartoon mosquito, angry-looking mosquito with a yeah. taco, a Texas tattoo, and um, a pair of boots with what yeah. looks like uh, maybe a, a rose on one. Because like of that. course, yeah. Loopy Pilsner for Houston or H O U, which is the the uh, airport, yeah, mm-hmm. or H Town. And they always like, have oh. something funny to say on this crispy little uh, Pilsner is perfect for swimming through the humidity on your way to crush <laughs> some tacos. <laughs> We use the fanciest Pilsner malt and noble hops to keep things classy. This is quite good. It is. This, this is a darn good beer. It's and a I, I, very, I'm, very tasty I'm going to let Pilsner. this cat out of the bag. I don't know why the cat was in the bag, uh, but uh, I'm going to let this cat out of the bag. I had one of these last night. Mm. All right. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Pilsner. Sitting on my patio. Yeah, I drink those I drink. all day long. Yeah. And, and, you know, Pilsner's actually, uh, uh, as big a fan as I am of IPAs, and I say this a lot on the show, IPAs are very often, very much more often going to fight with the cigar, whereas Pilsners generally, unless they really hop them up, are are less uh, no if you're, less if you're, easy, if you're to, less difficult to match. If with you're the cigar. looking for something cigar friendly, uh, man, Pilsners, lagers all do real well, and of I, course porters. Por, well, yeah, anything yeah. on the darker side is mm-hmm. generally going to go. Come um, to the sours dark side. can be questionable. Yes, I, think I agree. For the most part, are questionable with cigars um, and IPAs. Like if you go it's with a, miss. if you go with a double IPA, sometimes they get the malt profile up high enough mm-hmm. to where um, it doesn't crush a cigar. Or vice but I've versa. also had a lighter IPAs, like a Founders All Day IPA. I have no problem with that. But in that's, a cigar. that's almost closer to a Pilsner, though. At that right. point, you know? yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, no, I I think this like is very good. Anyway, this I is think very this is very good, and I, I would drink this. this for you know. Uh, like for extended periods of time. In other words, this is not one of those. Oh, it's very interesting, and I like the taste, but I only want one. No, no, this I had this. One, I had this yeah. on my patio yeah. last night. Yeah, yeah. They're, def- they're great for uh, warm weather, mm-hmm. which we have nine months out of the year. Yes, it's about that time again. <laughs> it uh, finishes so nice. It's like, psh, yeah, it's uh, little, I know. It's a splash it's really of flavor, good. and then for for those who uh, you know are not familiar with our breweries here in Houston. Uh, Eureka Heights is is truly one of the fun ones. They yeah. they have uh, uh, they they're not the most experimental. I would put that more towards like ingenious, ingenious or and- or uh, uh, some of the others, but but yeah. they they just make really interesting takes on 
the classic beer yeah. styles yeah. Is, is the way I kind of look at it. And I really like what they have going on. Plus, they're, they're a fun place to go and, uh, and and visit. I like Eureka Heights. I like this beer a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, this may be one of my favorites, actually, in their... Yeah, so the, I also love them for the fact that they uh, they still do a proper ESB. Who makes yes, ESB anymore? Do. I love their ESB. Yeah, it's called yes, Wicked they, Awesome. And it is awesome. And by the way, they have a great seasonal. Uh, I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but it's the one with the pair of shorts with the Christmas lights on it. Uh, it's like tinsel and... and, and uh, it's... Uh, why can't I think of it off the top of my head? I'm trying to remember the name uh, of but it. But it's, it's a really fun holiday yes. uh, holiday beer. Got a nice little holiday spice to it. All right. We got to take a break. When we return, we want to talk more about this uh, uh, this whiskey, and we want to talk a little bit more about Old Humble. And we got to get into our, uh, our list of the best destinations for a beer vacation. It's Smoking and Toasting. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Beautiful things. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of um, uh, craft beers, uh, and an interesting article I stumbled across in Vine Pair. You ever spend any time on Vine Pair? Yes, online? yes, I have. It's a very, like very good site. They have some very interesting articles. Uh, this one is about their top ten uh, destinations, vacation destinations for craft beer fans. So uh, I thought I'd share these ten with you and see what you think. Uh, number ten on their list is Lake Tahoe, which is in both California and Nevada, depending on what side of the lake you're on. They say uh, there's uh, great brewery options on both uh, sides of the state line. So uh, they are saying that's number ten. And At least in Nevada, you can smoke a cigar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and undeniably the most popular they say is South Lake Brewing Company, which has uh, a couple of different locations uh, open to the public. And while in Tahoe, they say, do not miss Tahoe Mountain Brews. Number nine on the list, and I've lived here, Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia area does have several really reputable, especially if you you expand it. Are you talking about Straub's? Well, maybe, (laughs) or maybe not. Uh, Especially if you expand it past just Philly itself and go into the suburbs, because if you are willing to consider Downingtown a suburb of Philadelphia, Downingtown has Victory Brewing, which is awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those guys really have it together. Really, uh, really know what they're doing. But other other half brewing is in Philly. Uh, is in Philly. Uh, Carbon Copy Brewing, Love City Brewing, and uh, uh, then um, there's Monk's Cafe. By the way, in Philly, if you're going to visit, has 25 beers on draft, sourced from all over the world, including, by the way. Pliny the Elder from uh, Russian River, which is very difficult to find. Uh, uh, And Philly Beer Week is a big deal there. Number eight on the list, Melbourne, Australia. Okay, I never would have guessed. So uh, clue me in. Similar to a list of cities on this list, they say, Melbourne has been undergoing a craft revolution over the last few decades, and the city is now home to a bustling beer scene. Contrary to popular belief, not all of Australia's beers look like an oil can. Yeah, and (laughs) in fact, if you go to Australia and order that beer, they will look at you funny. Oh, yeah. No one in Australia drinks Foster's. That's that's a total It's Australian for Budweiser. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, Bend Oregon is number seven on the list, and this does not surprise me at all because we've had uh, some beers uh, from Ben. And oh, I just lost my article, so stand by; it'll take me a minute to get back to it again. Uh, Bend, Oregon. We've had a number of different beers from uh, from breweries in Bend, and okay, here we go. Uh, back at it here, and I apologize for the mix-up. Um, 
we've all run into that where you tap the page. You tap the wrong thing, and you're and you're absolutely, uh, absolutely screwed. Okay, here we go. Bend, uh, Oregon. Um, The majority of the U.S. hop production takes place in Washington, Idaho, and Oregon. So it's no surprise that there's some really great breweries in in those areas. Uh, Bend is home to the most breweries per capita in Oregon with 16 breweries per 50,000 people. Wow. That's awesome. So that's a pretty cool thing. They have a thing called the Bend Ale Trail, which you can tour when you're you're up there at the Mm. Bend Brew Bus and the Bend Trolley. Uh, But don't miss there. While you're there, they say don't miss Deschutes. Deschutes is 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 just absolutely. And the Ale Apothecary. We've had Mm -hmm, beers from those guys here uh, before as well. So that's number seven on the list now number six i would never have even known about it had not been for this list gothenburg sweden uh while beer they say has centrally historically been a central part of gothenburg's economy it wasn't until 2005 that craft production really uh, stepped up and you want to read more about this but look for spikes brewery and something called Duggess, d-u-g-g-e-s i don't know if i'm pronouncing that mm. right or not um number five on the list chicago and chicago you remember was you know was in his home to Goose Island and yes. Goose Island more or less more or less started the uh, the selling barrel aging oh, uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. part of of craft beer mm-hmm. so and um, also selling out to Budweiser that that's <laughs> happened as well Chicago's long been a, been a must uh, visit uh, destination for craft beer lovers not only Goose Island but Lagunitas and the Chicago metro area home to over one hundred and sixty breweries oh i love it 160 they mentioned sin and suds uh beer tour as something that takes you through the chicago loop and goes to a lot of the different breweries and uh then the opening of the guinness open gate brewery in the west loop is something they are anticipating and are very excited about so uh number four i would never have guessed this but this is exciting mexico city Really? Because <clears throat> that's an easy visit from us, for yeah, us. It's yeah. not a long trip. They say it's recently solidified itself as a must-visit city for cocktail lovers, although the beer industry is often overshadowed by uh, giants like Modelo and and uh, uh, the owners of Corona and Tecate and uh, Pacifico. Mm. But they say Mexico's Brewers Association announced the country's craft production would increase 11% over the next year. Oh, wow. And they're going to be exporting to... Everyone. Casa Cerveza Morenos is recommended as a good place to go. And uh, also a place called Cerveceria Paraciadista. That's easy for you to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, you notice it took me a moment. (laughs) Bern, Switzerland is uh, number three on the list. Uh, The phrase European beer destinations usually makes you think of places like, you know, Prague and Amsterdam and and Munich. But tucked away in the rolling landscape of the Swiss Alps is Bern, a haven for craft beer enthusiasts that should definitely be on the radar of any passport-carrying craft beer uh, fans. The country is home to over 1,200 craft breweries, which is the highest density of breweries per capita in the world. Wow. Wow. Which is uh, huh. which is pretty crazy. So, Barcelona, Spain is number two on the list. I have always wanted to go to Barcelona, never been. Um, they say though Spain may be more acclaimed for its wines and the things that they do with wine, sangria. Yeah. Uh, the country's beer scene, they say, is not to be overlooked. This is a fascinating article, by the way, if you are a traveler. Um, so look it up at at Vine Pair. Uh, finally, number one, and again, would never have guessed Singapore. 
Singapore. Singapore. Just over a decade ago, they say tracking down quality crap here in Singapore would have been a challenge to say the least. But in a short amount of time, the city has transformed into a craft brewing hub with an ever increasing number of microbreweries, beer bars and even beer festivals. They say to check out Little Island Brewing Company, one of Singapore's largest craft breweries with 32 different beers available, wow. uh, 12 of which flow from self-pour taps. And uh, for brews with a view, they say head to Lavelle 33, the world's highest urban microbrewery located on the 33rd floor of a uh, of a building in Singapore, level thirty three dishes out five of its craft beers on draft, all of which were produced at over three hundred feet in the air. So, pretty cool. Uh, so, it's a very fascinating list. Go to vinepair dot com if you have not been. I think you'll enjoy. Have you ever had a self pour beer tap thing? I have. It's weird. It, it is. I went with uh, with my friend Dave in Tampa when we were there. We went to this self pour beer, and it is you you're tapping on the screen and it. It's very weird. It's very strange. It's very strange. I, <laughs> I enjoyed it because I got to sample so many different things. That right. part was really cool. But, uh, yeah, it was a little weird. Is that like one of those Coke machines they have at Wendy's? Kind of, yes. Yeah. It, it's really – yeah, with the little touch yeah. screen. That's and you, you put your cup there, and it, it pours your <clears throat> beer for you. Yeah, but you're right. It is a little weird. It's a little weird. But anytime I, I get to like try it. different things that <laughs> – you tell I me I get like to try it. different things that I wouldn't have uh, enjoyed otherwise. I feel like you're no? just being a retro grump. No, I'm a grump. I'm grouchy. I don't like it, mm -hmm. and I want those kids to get off my lawn. <laughs> Bring me a beer properly. Please and thank it's, you. It's crazy that right right as I got to be about the age to yell at kids to get off my lawn, I moved into a high-rise, and I have no lawn. Well, your, your front lawn is... is uh, discovery Green. Oh, well, then those kids definitely <laughs> need to get the hell off my lawn because they're down there screaming all the time. You don't even have to time. mow it. Yeah, all the time. Uh, so I do have a bullhorn. I guess I could yell at them with there a bullhorn. Yeah. I got the bullhorn because there's a guy that comes down to the park. I asked my wife to get me this for Christmas, and she did. Uh, there's a guy that comes down to the park and, and starts trying to evangelize everybody, that telling them they're, they're all going to burn in hell with this bullhorn. So I got mine so I could go down and, and, and you know, chat with them. You know, <laughs> except I'm not real good at using it. So most of the time I just set off the little siren noise, you know, instead of, yeah, which is, you know, which kind of will encourage him to move along to another well, that might, spot. That might do it. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> uh, in any case, um, uh, let's let's do some beer tasting, Ian. Don't you think it's about we that got, time? We got the chat and then I yeah, totally forgot. <laughs> then I saw you taking a sip of something over there. I was like, you know what I'd like to do? It was what I had left. I would the, like uh, to take a sip of something. I think we should all take a sip of something. And I'm an, I'm not going to lie to you. I have had this one. This I, I'm real curious to see what you think of this. I don't Ian. think I've tried this iteration. Voodoo Ranger has got some really, really good hazy and juicy ipas they kind of seem to i, I remember when they came out and with this the very first voodoo ranger i used to buy the mix pack <clears throat> yes uh the mix the mix 12 pack used to come with three of four different beers mm -hmm. um and now uh, and, they and have... all of them were good like you, you could go buy that new belgian mix pack and every beer in there was good now they have a mix pack which is just hazy and juicy ipas not just just IPAs, just hazy, just and, hazy juicy. and juicy. Four different uh, kinds. In fact, that is where this came from because I bought a. Uh, this has a almost a mangoey nose to it. It sure does. It sure does. They don't have any information really on the on this at all. Well, well wait, it does say here. Uh, according to the Surgeon General, women should not drink mm -hmm. alcoholic mm -hmm. beverages during pregnancy. All right, we that got the good, good ones. Yes. You know, I feel like I feel like you <laughs> might have stolen that from because I think it says that on your bottle yeah, too. Uh, well, I wanted to make sure that our whiskey was safe for guys. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Good yeah. to know. If you're pregnant, you can't drink it, and guys, you're yeah, safe. You know. Okay, good deal. 
Uh, unless, also, you, unless you identify as pregnant. Yeah, unless you, know, you identify as pregnant. And then I think there's I love, another one. So I love the voodoo ranger. <laughs> don't uh, drive like, a car. They, <laughs> they always have a. They always have the voodoo ranger who's who's like a, a, a skeleton, but he's a pilot, obviously. Yeah. So oh, he's yeah. Got the pilot. Right. He's got the pilot, pilot cap leather on, cap. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and he always has the flight goggles on. But in this case, he has a. He has like a hat with a card in it, and then he has um, Elvis style goggles on, and then. A Hawaiian shirt. It's pretty interesting. You know what else he has? He has so, some damn good beer. Oh, I just this realized he has a gold wonderful. tooth. Did you know he has? Yes, a gold he tooth? has a gold tooth, which is awesome. So, see, I am mm. I am a fan of IPAs. Hazies and juicies are my favorite among them, and this I think is absolutely wonderful. It's pretty darn good. It's got a full flavor. Full the mouthfeel. Mouth mm-hmm. The mouthfeel really saves it on this, and it's a little sweet too. Uh, there's a little mm-hmm. kiss of like sweetness to it that's really nice and it does have mango i've been making so i found this new uh this new tea and you get it like loose tea it's a mango pineapple tea uh but i get it loose so i use i use a nice tea maker like unsweetened yeah so i have to take it and i have to put it in little bags so i can use it in my tea maker Hmm. right so it's it's a little bit of extra work but it's so good because of the mango and the pineapple and it's so fresh and uh, this reminds me a little of that except plus beer (laughs) <laughs> nice. I've been thinking about getting some black currant tea that way. Too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have some of these little tea bags I can give you. They're mm-hmm. you're just little bags and you just kind of fold comfortable them. And you give me a tea bag. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair enough. Uh, I didn't know it was going to be that kind of a yeah, show. We're, we're syndicated, and so there you go. Yeah, yeah. That's as far as it goes. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this is a stops here. this is a darn fine beer. <laughs> it's good Can beer. I just tell you it is and and, and it's New Belgium, so you should be able to get this no matter where you're listening to. That's us. right, because these guys have got their distribution thing figured yeah. out. Uh, they are available just about everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, and I highly recommend this Voodoo Ranger Hazy Juicy Mix Pack. You'll like everything in it, including their double, which is oh, their double is oh, quite good. Oh, yes, oh, wow. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break, and we will be back. Drinking news is not far away, but we have several things to get to before that and we're going to talk some more about this whiskey uh, stand by it's smoking and toasting welcome back it's smoking and toasting our program is all about craft beer fine spirits and hand-rolled cigars uh you know Ian, when i was when i was younger I was actually legitimately worried that I might be turning into a hoarder, uh, that that, <laughs> oh, yeah. that that I might have that that tendency, you know, because mm-hmm. I like to collect things, right? And so I reached this point in my life where I thought, that's it, I'm not collecting anything anymore. You don't want to collect? I'm going to collect cigars, and you know why? Because eventually, you burn them and they're gone. Yes. And so fire became the uh, the you know the central piece of my you know, having fun as a, as a collector, collecting things because fire ultimately burns the cigar up and moves, you know, moves it away out of your humidor and gives you room to, to have some more. But fire, despite the fact that it is the heart and soul of the cigar experience is actually not a great thing always for cigar makers. And this just happened last week when Arturo Fuentes tobacco warehouses in Villa Gomez, Dominican Republic, uh, caught fire and burned to the ground, Mm. resulting in a complete loss of the building and all the tobacco inside. The good news, no one was injured. The bad news, approximately one million pounds of aged tobacco gone. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Fire. 
it, yeah, it, exactly. Uh, just a massive loss, uh, Carlos Fuente Jr. said, of irreplaceable aged tobacco. A lot of tobacco from Chateau de la Fuente, among others. And Chateau de la Fuente is the tobacco farm uh, which Fuente owns in uh, Bonal, where it grows the wrappers for, you guessed it, the Opus X right. line of cigars. So with the loss of so much tobacco in the warehouse uh, in which it was stored is a setback, uh, but they expressed some relief that it wasn't worse. The tobacco warehouse was located in a Fuente-free zone and also known as warehouse number three. I'm not sure what a Fuente-free zone is, mm. uh, but they were very happy that it happened during the day because it apparently is easier for them to fight fires there uh, wow. during the day uh, than at keep night. It from so, spreading and everything else. So, yeah, yeah. tough yeah, one. So you can, you can see it because the lights are if you've, on. If you've been thinking about splurging, <laughs> if you've th been thinking about splurging on an Opus X, go do it now Yeah, because it's going to be more expensive in a month or two. Yeah. Just, and, and just something based like on that this, this tragedy. You it's know? not just the tobacco. It's the time, too. Right, that exactly. Because that stuff ages for, for a very, very long you time. You can replace the tobacco, but you can't replace the time. That's right. Speaking of time and of aging, uh, you're uh, this this special edition uh, whiskey, the Boomtown. Uh -huh. uh, do you guys age this for a particular period of time before it comes out? Because this this flood, this uh, mm -hmm. the blackout was what twenty 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 one twenty twenty one February twenty twenty one. So it's a couple uh, years ago. We age it until it's done. Uh, so I have what a, does that I have mean? A particular flavor profile and color profile that I'm looking for. Uh huh. Uh, and and. The the thing about it is we use six six uh, uh, five gallon barrels and we go for at least six to nine months somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. uh, with this one, we went a little bit longer uh, than the nine months to get a little bit deeper, a little bit darker, heavier flavor from the oak. But uh, which you achieved, by the way. Thank yeah. you, thank you very much. Uh, but each batch, each barrel, each set of barrels that we use for each batch of uh, aging that we do will give us a slightly different flavor profile, and a, a slightly different color profile. The first batch that we pulled out this year in January was much darker than the second batch that we pulled out hmm. in February and or why is early it? March. It was the humidity. It was the temperature. It was the, maybe the char on the barrels was Something a little bit different. The, yeah, barrel uh, batch number three was darker than batch number two, and then this was darker than. But this stayed in the barrels a little bit longer. So I love you know, the, everything was. You know, there's little variables that you get with uh, craft whiskeys. I just love though that it seems like your product is always like evolving. Like one year's release is not going to necessarily be the same. Mm -hmm. You're not doing a Budweiser and trying to create the most old umbly uh, whiskey <laughs> yeah. you can create and have it be exactly the same all the time. You're you're actually reveling and you're celebrating the yeah. differences in, in the batches and how long they're yeah. they're aged. What's what's the longest aging you've done on any of your products? Uh, so the far? longest aging we've done on any products about 18 months in the five gallon barrels. Okay. Which is equivalent to something like nine years. I love it. But we did that because we were moving locations. We just couldn't pull it out. <laughs> it's the best you could do. I understand. All right. We got to take a break. When we return, it's time for Drinking News, where we will examine the realities of Updog. What's that? What's up, Dog? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. What's up with you? We'll be right back. Maybe. Welcome back at Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. The fine spirits uh, portion of that uh, being covered this week by our good friend Joe Breda with uh, Old Humble Distilling. And thank you again, Joe, for coming in. And, glad uh, to be here. And bringing in this fine, fine whiskey. Uh, we are so glad to have you guys on the program. We have several things we uh, uh, still intend to get to. But right now, and perhaps most important, it's time for Drinking News. Drinking News. 
drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. For a man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. So, uh, Cheers, y'all. What's up, Doc? <laughs> uh, Rowdy Yates, ladies and gentlemen, on our uh, <laughs> yeah, nobody uh, sound, nobody has a voice nobody has like a voice Rowdy. like that. That's like, right. Okay. That's absolutely right. All right. So today's news story. You asked what's up. Today's news story, a uh, drinking news story, is going to the dogs, our canine companions. Oh man, this is going to be rough. Man's best friend. Good lord. Our strong, <laughs> fluffy, lovable protectors that are still willing to do almost anything. If we'll just throw that ball one more time. Besides just companionship, dogs perform many important functions in our society today, from those on farms and ranches uh, and episodes of Yellowstone uh, that herd sheep and cattle and even horses to the ones that accompany police officers and the canine units to help cops do their jobs. There are dogs that work with hunters. Dogs that help track down the scent of a missing person, and even certain breeds that have been trained to be bomb-sniffing dogs. Now, there's something pretty amazing, right? These There are dogs in fiction and in the movies who do incredible things. There's Rin Tin Tin, who, whose first starring role in a film called Where the North Begins was so successful that it is credited with actually saving Warner Brothers from bankruptcy oh, in wow. 1928. There's also Lassie without whom we would never have known that little Timmy was stuck in the well. And how about old Yeller, that fierce protector whose death made grown men cry in cinemas all over the world? And, and of course, there's Toto, uh, who helped Dorothy navigate the mystical world of Oz, and who also famously blessed the rains down in Africa. Yes. That's right. Yeah, so, And cartoon dogs have historically done unbelievable things. Scooby-Doo helped solve mysteries. Hong Kong Fooey. Yeah. Uh -huh. Scrappy-Doo. Scrappy-Doo irritated and annoyed millions of cartoon oh, fans everywhere and single-handedly ruined a great animated series. <laughs> uh, from Astro on the Jetsons to Snoopy, perhaps the most famous cartoon dog ever, to Santa's Little Helper on The Simpsons and Brian Green, uh, Griffin on Family Guy, cartoon dogs, while even though fictional, have been depicted doing incredible things to help their human friends. And in the real world, it might be possible, under certain circumstances, for a dog to help his owner avoid getting a ticket or even escaping arrest. How yeah. do you train a dog to do that? It could actually happen. That is why a I certain... I mean, that sounds like a hairy situation. Colorado man <laughs> decided to try a novel approach last week in Springfield, Colorado, a town of about 1,300 people on the state's eastern plains. Police had pulled this man over for speeding and had noticed him driving erratically. And when, that was when the Colorado man came up with the clever idea of claiming that he himself had not actually been driving the car. Police saw him shuffling around in the front seat and exchanging places with his dog before letting himself out the passenger side of the vehicle. So, yes, that's right. The Colorado man wanted police to believe that his dog had been the one actually driving <laughs> the car. I don't know what to say about that. He actually told the officers he had not been behind the wheel, implying that it was clearly Rover who'd been operating the vehicle. Police said the man then clearly showed signs of being drunk and, and in fact, ran from the cops when asked about how much he'd, been, he'd had to drink. Uh, never a good idea when they say, 
How much we had to drink, sir, to break into a run? To just run. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was caught within about 20 yards. There have been reports, although we cannot substantiate them at this time, that officers questioned the dog. And then when asked about how it was going, being this man's pet, the canine allegedly replied, rough. <laughs> Again, we cannot fully verify that this part of the story actually took place. Police arrested the man on suspicion of charges, including driving under the influence of alcohol and or drugs and driving while ability impaired, as well as for previous warrants for his arrest. So there was that. Uh, the dog, who was not mentioned by name in the police report, was not charged with any crimes, and it's not clear what authorities plan to do with him. I would suggest assigning him to the fire department, since it's reported that this particular animal has an obvious talent for locating fire hydrants. And that can be important, uh, you know, when you're a fireman on the, on the go. Reporting live for Colorado, where I'm trying to train a dog to drive, but so far, all he seems to be interested in is performing the incredible canine feat of licking his private parts. <laughs> My name is Cruz, and that is your... Drinking news, drinking news. That's our time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. Mm. So the only one I didn't work into there was uh, was the old, uh, the old joke, why does a dog lick his private parts? <laughs> because, because he can. can. Yeah. yeah right? So. Uh, there you go. Ian, you have poured us some regular Jesus here. Man, I did. Regular Jesus by uh, Dewclaw Brewing Company. Yeah, I got to love Dewclaw. We've had a number of beers from, from these guys, uh, and they've Baltimore, always been very Maryland. impressive. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it beats the hell out of Baltimore's most famous brewery, which is Natty Bow. <laughs> that's not good beer fans I'm, I'm sorry it's just not, so it's not called regular beer. jesus a porter that tastes like a porter well that's a that's <laughs> what a pretty, it says that's a pretty exciting thing all right have you, you tasted know, this i yet? love porters yes i know you do. and it's just about you know uh it's just about the season for me to go float down the river and drink my barley wines and porters on mm. my inner tube i love that that's that's what people think of, when people think of summer they think of Ian on an, inner, on an inner tube drinking the biggest beer he has in his collection i mean why why not why save the light beers for that? I thought of a lot of things in the summer. Yeah? Never once. Did you think of Ian on an inner tube? That's probably good to know. Never once. Probably good to know. Have I thought of you on an inner tube? You'll be trying, you'll be trying to poke out your mind's eye for the rest of the day. Now, my, my favorite. I thought of a lot of people on an inner tube, but not, my, not you specifically. My favorite porter, I think, is uh, the 512 pecan porter. The real trick is don't don't try to picture me in all my glory in the inner tube. I want you to picture me getting in and out of the inner tube. There you oh, go. That's funny. That's uh, the best yeah, part. Yeah. You know, that's uh, that could be useful at times, that mental image. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're trying to think of the most unsexy thing you can think of. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For certain uh, certain moments in time. I feel like you're trying to hurt my feelings. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't have any of those. Mm. I was just. I lied. I have good feelings for this beer. Yeah. This is very I, nice. I was just mentioning that my favorite porter. I would always have said had been the five one two pecan uh, porter from five one two brewing. Mm. This is every bit as good as that. It's it's very good. It's very good. It's uh it's interesting because it's got a, a little bit thinner mm. mouthfeel than mm -hmm. I was expecting, but it has all the flavor and roasted coffee. The like. mouthfeel almost reminds me of Guinness, but the flavor is different. And yeah. and the bubbles gonna, are very, there's almost say. no carbonation in this, and it's right. okay. Like that's okay in this beer. It's actually mm. pretty yeah. good. Like this is a lot better than I expected. You know, and it, it reminds me a lot of a, a big heavy stout. It's very I like it. It's very coffee leaning, but I will tell you, if coffee tasted this good, I'd drink a lot more coffee. You know, this, coffee this, tastes pretty good when you put oh, some Bailey's in it. Much better right here. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm trying to say. You know. <laughs> 
Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? As porters go, where would you put this? Like, I, this is a great just above middle of the road, I think. I think 512 mm. pecan porter is unbelievable. It's so good. Double? And they're double porter. Oh, God. I mean, I, I want to put the on my nipples, and they're not even sensitive. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, can we say that on the radio? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, um, Show gets looser and looser as it goes. I just alienate half our audience. Nipple nipple is allowed, but yeah, you are right. The show does loosen up a little bit as the as the drinking continues. Um, The uh, so so uh, yeah, this is a this is a good porter. There's nothing wrong with this. I have had their smoked porter. Mm -hmm. Smoked porter is incredibly interesting. That's the smoke Jesus, isn't it? I I don't think that's what they called it. Because they have arc. They have this. uh, They. (laughs) <laughs> oh, this is what happens. See, once we get past drinking news, all bets are off. That's what it, that's what it really, what it. Uh, this what is it really, really the means. turning point of the show. It, it truly is. It truly is. Up until then, we attempt to hold to a certain group of rules that you know translate <laughs> Some into morality the and all those. Yeah, other things. yeah. A- after that, um, uh, I'm just looking up Duclaw Porter. To see, uh, yeah. So they one of the first, one of the early beers uh, that we brought when we very first started the show was a Duclaw smoked porter. All right, so this is regular Jesus, mm-hmm. and then they also have one called Sweet Baby Jesus. Yes, we've had that on the yeah, show, and we have had that uh, on the program. <laughs> and they have a an Imperial Chocolate Peanut Butter Porter, which mm. is Duclaw for Pete's sake. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty fun. That's uh, that's pretty good, man. I gotta I gotta try some of that. So now I've started looking at this website. I've totally lost all interest in doing the show. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I want to try that. I want to try that. Wow, wow, it's pretty good. Um, no, I, I dig this. In fact, I want some more because what I would really like to do, uh, if you wouldn't mind, if I could have a, just a little more of the uh, uh, of the the bourbon as well, because what I'd really like to do is go back and forth, which is always interesting to do, particularly with bigger beers. And the uh, and the whiskey or the bourbon that we're trying, or you know, and and just like not to get sidetracked here, but it strikes me that this would go really well with a number of the well, rums so it goes that I love. it goes well going from the uh, going from the porter to the bourbon, but now mm-hmm. I'm going the other direction. Where Have you done that yet? That, okay, how that goes in just a moment here. Oh yeah, porter to the bourbon totally works. Yeah. Oh, it's actually really good. But oh, it brings out a. Almost a peanutty kind of thing in the uh, porter. In the porter, nice. Right? That's crazy. I didn't expect that at all. I didn't even detect it when I tried to when I tried to <laughs> porter first place. All right, I'm gonna give you an obscure reference. Do you remember something that came out when you were a kid called Kugel? You know what? That tickles cool. my memory. I have no idea what it is, but it I was like a peanut was a butter spread stuff, and it was. Peanutty Kugel. It was totally marketed to kids, like whereas Jif mm. and all that's marketed to moms. like Nutella kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was like a peanut butter spread, and it would advertise on Saturday morning cartoons, and it was uh, Kugel, and he had googly eyes on the yeah. It tickles jar. my memory a little bit. This reminds me of Kugel because I I mm. begged my mom to buy it until she finally broke down and bought <laughs> one jar. It's all I ever had. One jar of Kugel. Was it enough? Um, it was enough. Yes, yeah. but <laughs> but no, I loved it as a kid. Like it was totally like. You know, kid centric thing, but that's what this reminds me of—a very peanut butter, chocolate, coffee sort of. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's what I get when I go back from the old humble boomtown back to the uh, back to mm-hmm. the uh, porter. It's interesting how our, our uh, palates change from thing to thing, and how how much influence one uh, one item has on another as your as your taste. Well, that's totally true uh, because. 
uh, one thing sort of the, well, it, it's kind of like what you always talk about with the whiskey sniff, right? How your palate is different based on based on the, the cigar particular you're cigar you're smoking yes. oh, and yeah. what it's gonna what it's gonna line up with uh, the best. So, uh, speaking of cigars, by the way, Romeo and Julieta is opening the Book of Love with a limited edition cigar heading to retailers early next month, and the cigars come in a striking box that resembles a book. And uh, it's a nod to the literary roots of Romeo and Julieta. Yeah. Uh, the cigars are made with Dominican tobacco on the inside, Sumatra seed wrapper from Ecuador on the outside. Uh, but the most predominant tobacco in the blend, they say, is the Dominican Piloto, uh, which is that stronger Dominican um, yeah. uh, tobacco. And uh, it's included. It's intended to be medium full. And the cigars come in uh, one Toro size, and they will be uh, about $13 each. So something mm, you can look that's for. That's one I'll Very pick up. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, Ian, here's one you will absolutely love. It disappeared for a while, but Room 101 has bought Brought back the big payback. I know the big payback in the giant size. It's an enormous cigar that measures seven inches long by a seventy-inch ring gate. Yeah. That cigar is for grown-ups. Yeah, I understand. I'm I'm a little frightened by it. I will be completely honest <laughs> with you. That's like ten inches on the internet. This huge smoke. <laughs> <laughs> this huge smoke was introduced in 2014 by Matt Booth, who was the previous owner of Room 101 and uh, likes bears, and he has not been in uh, production uh, since or this. Cigar has not been in production since 2016, but now Scandinavian Tobacco Group, which bought Room 101, is bringing it back, and it starts shipping to retailers on the first of June. Wow. It is the big payback 70. Uh, it uh, you know what's crazy about that much cigar? Mm -hmm. Not only is the payback series a great cigar, but it's not very expensive. In at fact, all yeah, these massive new cigars. Are a suggested retail price of eight ninety nine each. They wow. are cartoonishly massive, yeah. and I love that. You know, <laughs> like crazy. I don't know if you know anything about me, but sometimes I like to be a little over the top about mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to do a poker game, that's the cigar to have. Like you are already <laughs> dominating the field at that point. Like, because no one, cause I love it, no cause one can even look at your right? face. Yeah, exactly. Like all they exactly. see is the cigar. Uh, uh, the sunglasses, uh, the giant folks, cigar, sombrero. The folks at Scandinavian <laughs> Tobacco Group say uh, they want to stay true to the cigar's original uh, mission to repay its customers with a large cigar at a value price point. It ships in red and gold boxes of 30, and that should keep you smoking for quite a long <laughs> 30? time. 30? That's a yeah. big, that's a Dang. trunk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Get a big bow tie, too. Yeah. Uh, all Room 101 uh, brands, by the way, are now being distributed through Forge Cigar Company, which is a Crazy. subsidiary of uh, STG. But yeah, so you're going to be all good for your inner tube uh, uh, floating adventures. This I can't uh, wait. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to be, uh, we're doing a family reunion on the river in New Braunfels this year, so I may have to uh, pick yes. up one of these it's, myself. It's nice. You bring one cigar, and when you get out of the river, which, by the way, can be a four-hour float, oh, yeah. you're still smoking your cigar. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll be right back. It's Smoking a Toast, and thank you for being here for show number 329. Welcome back at Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And I will just say, by the way, now coming back after uh, enjoying the uh, the uh, regular Jesus Porter, I, and now I'm I'm loving this even more. Hmm. It's just something about these two marries it's, up. It's really, really nice. Well. On, I, I was noticing on the back of the bottle, on the back label, is a, a picture of a 
a saying that's written above a quote that's written above a, a door frame mm-hmm. that you said was from a school um, mm-hmm. in Humble area. The original high school in Humble, Texas. And it says. Uh, was the Charles H. Bender High School. It says impossible is un-American. Yep. Nice. I impossible is un-American. I absolutely love that. We can do hard. We can do uh, improbable, mm-hmm. uh, but impossible. As far as I'm concerned, we just just we haven't figured it out yet. So let me tell you something that I think is absolutely awesome and American. And we don't get to tell stories like this very often because it's usually going the other way. Believe it or not, this last week, Anheuser Busch sold a craft brewery that they had bought back to its original owners. What? Yep. That's amazing. They sold Appalachian Mountain Brewery back to its original founders, Nathan Kalashak and Chris Zieber. It's a North Carolina brand. It was one of the ones AB had scooped up during their uh, uh, their, their big swoop, big so swoop of mm-hmm. uh, trying to purchase craft beers. And uh, they acquired it in 2020, actually, uh, parenting with the founding pair to launch uh, national partnerships and expand distributions. And now the founders have bought it back from Anheuser-Busch. So congratulations to um, Appalachian Mountain Brewery. Yeah, man. I wonder what made them think that. I mean, did did Anheuser Busch reach out to them, or I don't know. I don't. Or know. did they say, "Hey, we really like to do this. Are you interested?" I'm, I'm curious as to which way that went, but that's pretty wild. So it, it happens in the consolidation industry. My the old industry that I worked in, cemeteries and funeral homes. It happens occasionally. You know, uh, the consolidators will buy up. A, a bunch of funeral homes in a market and they'll keep the owners and then around individual ones and then eventually will, sometimes they'll sell it back you know the owner will want it back he it's the end of his uh uh consultation contract and he'll decide he wants to buy his old place back and so you know, they, if you're they, the guys it happens if you're the guys from appalachian mountain obviously selling to anheuser-busch when that happened was a payday for you obviously yeah, you, no doubt, yeah. you you took this uh you know little brewery and you built it up and anheuser-busch came along and paid you, you know, interesting a enough, decent amount of money yeah. for it right or you wouldn't have sold it in the first place right so you got to wonder what happens between then and the time that you buy it back did these guys take that money invest it somewhere make more and then buy it back for more than what they sold or does anheuser-busch find themselves Less than well, satisfied AB, with what it's doing under their uh, under their ownership. But here's the thing: if AB didn't do anything with it, yeah, right. It made, if they didn't do anything when they just let it kind of coast along, then they're not making back their investment yeah. if, on it. If you look at something like Goose Island, and we know a bit about this because both Ian and I have read the book uh, Barrel Aged Stout and Selling That's Out, which is book. about uh, uh, Anheuser Busch buying that and and the subsequent thing that they went on. Uh, but if you think about it. Nothing that has happened at Goose Island since Anheuser-Busch bought it has been what a beer lover, a customer, would think of as a very positive thing. That doesn't mean they haven't still made some good beer. Right. They've screwed up their IPA. They've mm. screwed up several of their other beers. But they still, every year when they release that barrel-aged, uh, I mean, it's it's just it's, it's amazing. the one thing that they left inc- alone. It's amazing and incredible mm. every year. Yeah. And they certainly have increased their distribution. Mm-hmm. Because if you go to a hockey game in St. Louis, you're now going to get all of that uh, all of that stuff from their yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. But in terms of things that would make the the customer more loyal to the brand, mm-hmm. you got less and less and less of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can look at Carbach here in Houston. Carbach made some good beers. They still make some good beers. But nothing about Carbach has improved since Anheuser-Busch bought no. them except 
for their distribution. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the only yeah. thing. And their, their sponsorships and, and, and their connections. They changed with... Love Street even. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Love Street uh, was a good yeah. solid beer yeah, for them. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And it could just simply be a case where they got a they bought a different craft brewery that kind of filled that same and they filled were overlapping void, yeah. and, and they had uh, and Carbach is still, properties in their portfolio that overlapped. Carbach is still a destination like if you're in Houston Go there. It's a cool place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. They've got a great little restaurant, but, too. And their beer is very good. But but you uh, know what else is real cool? St. Arnold's. You yeah, know, yeah. If you can get in. If, so if, if you can only go to one, yeah, uh, that's the one yeah. you should choose. Uh, Joe Breda is our uh, guest today. Joe is with Old Humble Distilling Company. We have enjoyed a number of your... Uh, of your spirits on this show, Thank but you very uh, much. this this one today has been very unique and special. And you have about half of your stock left. Yeah, Is and we're right? open. We're open Friday. We're open Saturday. We're open Monday on Memorial Day. Find us on oldumbledistilling.com, All the social medias: Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. Hey, if you're from the area, it's real easy to find at the intersection of 59 and 1960. Yep, you just head east about four and, miles. Yeah, and it's right there. Uh, it's it's. Like your Google's going to have it, your uh, Apple Maps going to have some really easy to find. Thank you guys for uh, hanging out with us today. Thank you to Abilene for being interested. We will uh, salute you with a little toast on our way out. Have a great week, cheers my friends. Cheers to Abilene. And cheers, cheers to Abilene.